The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com events where you can get your tickets. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's Friday, May the 17th, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics Podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. I'm joined by almost a full house of Irish Times political reporter, political editor, political deputy editor. Jennifer Bray is here. Hi. Pat Leahy is here. Hello, Hugh. And Fia Kelly is hey, also hope. here. Um, we're all hot on the trail of this incredibly exciting election campaign. Um, Jennifer, you've been out with a whole bunch of candidates to see what's going on. Yeah, and, and you're you're totally right. It has been very exciting. We haven't had very many uh, big headlines or any controversies. It's sort of gone a little bit below the radar um, until now, we hope. Uh, so obviously, we're we're just under a week out uh, from the from the election. So I went around with the different parties: went Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, Labour, Sock Dems, Sinn Féin, and the Greens to to gauge the mood on the ground. Can you just tell me how this works? Do they try and manipulate you? Do they they try and make sure that when you're around, you they go down the street that they know, for example, is the most Fine Gael street in the neighbourhood? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and you have to be aware of that, and you have to kind of you know. If you think that they're heading towards the states where they know people, say, why don't we go over here instead? Um, for uh, The first uh, canvas that I did was with Labour last Friday morning, um, was with Kevin Donoghue, their candidate out there, and Kevin Humphreys, the senator. And so where is that? The, that's in Ring's End. Right. So uh, they brought me around to areas which now are quite friendly enough to Labour and they'd know people in the houses but to be fair to them back in 2014 the mood on the ground was totally different there was a lot of hostility there was a lot of anger um, and they had a very bad election yeah, The water protests that. were really getting going at that point Yeah oh. it was post-financial crash uh, and then we saw two years later possibly their worst ever general election result uh, and the resignation of Amy Gilmore so you know to be fair to them it was an area in which they could count on support now, perhaps, but it wasn't always that way. So, I mean, from going out with the, the different parties, I knew that housing would be big because obviously we have a crisis. But I didn't really realise how bad it would be in terms of the, the 
breadth of the stories that we heard. So went out with Labour, went out with the two Kevins, uh, housing, housing, housing on the doors everywhere. One of the issues specific to that area was that, let's say, uh, parents felt that they brought up their kids, they paid for their education, they couldn't afford to rent in the area or they couldn't afford to live in the area. So they were moving out to the suburbs. And obviously that's an issue in terms of those families getting childcare, as in mothers and fathers often, or grandparents often look after their their kids. But it was also that the effect on the local community, so the effect on schools, the effect on uh, clubs, sports clubs, etc. So it's kind of like this, you know, this drain from the area of And can of I ask youth. you, is that a part of Ring's End? Is that a working class part of Ring's End where people traditionally would have been in social housing or are these people who own their own houses? Because it's a real mix around there and obviously the, 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 mm. uh, I suppose the complexion of that neighbourhood is, is changing a lot because you've had all the Googles and the Silicon Docks yeah. thing is just up the road. Which There's real angst in the area about too. gentrification absolutely and, and you know the fact that those big companies that you mentioned buy up massive plots of land and, and, and build therein. It is a mix like you say probably would have been uh, uh, more social housing but like I say, there is a gentrification in the area at the moment and it's pushing prices up and there's a lot of anger about that. Uh, so it was housing, housing, housing. And then, of course, local issues and um, the glass bottle site uh, out in that area and the state of the roads, all the kind of stuff you'd expect in the local sure. elections. So that was interesting enough, um, but it was quiet. It was a Friday morning. In the afternoon, then I went out with Fine Gael, went out with Colin Brophy and his wife, Maeve O'Connell. She's standing for the first time. So it was interesting to see the husband-wife dynamic uh, and him trying to rein himself in because he's used to being the star of the show. And uh, she obviously has always kind of been in the support act. So it was... it was. He may be the star of his show, but maybe you could remind our listeners who he is. Colin Brophy. <laughs> Harsh. Uh, Fine Gael TD. Um, for... So, yeah. Southwest. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, Southwest. Um. So, so one of the first doors that we knocked, um, an issue was a local issue like building of a nursing home, etc. In the area that would take up space. But the second home and the third were all about housing. There was a woman who answered who talked about how her kids had been renting in the area for years and years and they got four weeks notice on the day that their kids went back to school. They'd been paying up to €3,000 in rent and they had to move home. And she said that there were four or five other people on the area, as in in that road, where their kids had to move home. So you've generations of people living together. We just turned a corner and a man was walking past with his buggy and he said, I'm trying to build an infill house here on the side of my house, you know, infill house beside on your small plot of land. Mm-hmm. And the council said, no, even though nobody objected, my son can't live anywhere else. You know, what are we going to do? I thought there was a housing crisis. So it came up again and again and again. Um, and was there anger against Fine Gael as the government party in relation to that? There was anger. It wasn't so much as, why are you doing this? It was, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much directed personally, because I don't think Irish people do confrontation all that well. Um, generally, unless you're a journalist um, or a politician. So, yeah, so, you know, it, it just felt more kind of vague as in what are you, what's being done. It wasn't a direct anger directly at the candidate. And I don't know whether that's more for a general election, but or whether this is uh, a local specific thing. So there was uh, there was that anger. And then uh, after that, we moved on to campus of Fianna Fáil, um, Stephen Donnelly and Lane Willis out in Greystones. Um, really interesting to see his kind of he's this war room in, in his constituency how every wall is plastered with canvassing plans um, and every canvassing team has a different style it's fascinating to watch um, and on the first door which is quite unfortunate because obviously the, the candidate will want a good piece or something that reflects well because they know the people in the area they know all the issues and they want people to answer the door and say I know you you did this great thing for me thanks so much you've got my first preference vote but instead the first door was a man who said uh it, this doesn't directly affect me, 
but the housing crisis is the worst thing in this country right now. Here's a story. Here's another story. Here's another story. You're in Fianna Fáil. Are you really going to keep propping up this government? Do you really think that you're not going to be affected? And do you really think you're going to get any credit for anything good that happens by the time this comes to an end? And Stephen Donnelly kind of, he handled it well enough. He said, you know, I hear you loud and clear. Um, and this is a conversation that I'm having on many doorsteps. And, you know, there was the argument. I could talk to you about peace. I could talk to you about Brexit. I can talk to you about all those things. And I'm sure you know about that. And the response was Brexit could drag on forever. If you're waiting for Brexit, we're going to be here till the end of time uh, to, to resolve. So uh, that was the first door. Uh, on the second door, it was a man who works in St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, in the local area and he was talking about how they're trying to help people pay their rents about how they're having to store people's furniture because obviously they're being kicked out of, the, of you know whether it's their house or their apartment and he kept impressing upon uh, Donnelly and Willis that this was the biggest the biggest issue so when you're kind of following them around and you're hearing this time after time of course you know it's an issue we write about it all the time in the mm. times but it's really interesting to hear the underground stories and to see the candidates reaction um, so it wasn't a great canvas for, for Fianna Fáil and I, I did pick up that the that, that the candidate Elaine was getting a bit uncomfortable but I can understand that because you want to be able to talk about the local issues and she does a lot of great work in the area and she's been Stephen Donnelly's constituency manager since 2012 so of course she knows the area inside out um, so you know those national issues were overtaking some of the local issues um, And so we sort of see that again and again is it, that it turns into can, there's a danger for some parties it turns mm. into a beauty contest for the party rather than electing a councillor to do what a councillor is supposed to do although we, as we heard in this podcast only a couple of days ago councillors don't necessarily get to do that much in the end anyway. Yeah, and that also came up a lot, like, you know, you tell me you're going to help me fix this, that and the other. Do you actually have the power you say you do? I've decided I don't. Loads of people said that. And there's a real kind of lack of faith in, in local government or an apathy. Maybe people just don't really aren't that connected to it. Um, so they were the first couple of canvases. And this week then I went out with the Greens, Asok Dems and Sinn Féin. Detected a real apathy towards Sinn Féin on the doorsteps in that people would answer and they would be friendly and they'd take the leaflet and they'd look at it and they'd smile and they'd say, yes, I'll check it out. But there wouldn't really be much conversation after that. Um, loads of the doors uh, went, just out in Balbriggan went unanswered and this was in the evening when you might expect people to be home. Um, and yeah, there were... Uh, people hiding behind the curtains? Definitely, yeah. And there's this thing now, there's a real rise in uh, what Colin Brophy called canvas killers, which is cameras on the door. So, you know, you ring the doorbell and they can see you're there with your party gear on. They're going, I'm not answering that. No, thank you. So they've got the canvas killers to contend with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those who did answer knew the local the uh, sitting cancer there was running for election, Malachi Quinn, and they were very friendly towards him. But there was that seeming kind of disconnect. And that's reflected in the national polls that we've run recently. So it's interesting. And then the second two, obviously, the Greens. Great reception to the Greens. People interested in climate change. But... A real sense that you've got a great candidate, you've got a great offering, you're very relevant now um, in a way that maybe they probably weren't before. But will they get the first preference for or will they get the number two or number three? In that people will probably vote for maybe the person they've always voted for and go, oh, but the Greens, they're great, number two. So they're really pressing every door. The number one, you give us your number one preference. Okay, because they see that as the, the possibly the threat to them yeah. not getting the breakthrough that they that they hope to get. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, the sock dams, the figures you know, for Dublin are, are, are very, very low. But they're a new party, they're a small party. Catherine Murphy was saying that she has travelled all around the country with all of their uh, around 58 candidates. And she thinks that people are completely underestimating. Of course, they're going to say this to a journalist. 
but she seemed to really believe it. And, you know, that's not what we're hearing on the doorsteps, I think, is the line, isn't it? Uh, In response to bad opinion. It's very warm all the time, you know, it's like these coffee mornings. They're always fantastic and great, you know, except when you go on them, they're they're not that warm at all, you know. So Fianna Fáil used to tell us in 2011 that it wasn't as bad in the doorsteps as everybody was making out in it. It was was worse, actually. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, But but I mean, there is a I mean, it's very interesting to hear albeit all anecdotal as we know but Jennifer's overview of what's actually happening on the ground as opposed to and it does seem you know actually to quite uh, to fit quite closely with the numbers we were talking about from our opinion poll last week Fiv. Yeah it does and um, it, talking to people like you know I was out a bit with a few candidates this week but not to the extent that Jennifer was and haven't picked up nowhere near as broad a range as she has and just talking to TDs who were saying they were comparing this local election particularly to the local election of 2004, because in 2009 we were ascending the crisis, a lot of anger. 2014, we're in the middle of the water charges and after years of austerity, a lot of anger. This time it's reverted back to local issues only, a lot of apathy, people not really interested, predictions of a very low turnout because of that. That that, that kind of you know driver of engagement with politics over the last decade has probably waned <coughs> somewhat, somewhat and that people are more going back to local issues, albeit housing is the one that impinges on mm. on a lot. But it does kind of reflect what what people are saying. And, you know, it is funny when we, I think one of the main stories out of our poll last week was um, the drop in popularity for the Taoiseach and the, the corresponding drop in Fine Gael. And you do hear that back. I was out the other evening in, in Dublin 6 in one of the, I suppose, more affluent parts of the country where, you know, big houses and, you know, one man up and says, I am a Christian Democrat and I, um, committed Fine Gaelor, but I'm really disappointed with Leo Varadkar and, you know, gave back all the stuff we hear about it being spin and uh, no substance. So th- th- you, you do see the national trend reflected when you go out. Although, uh, as uh, Noel Whelan points out in our opinion pages today, Pat, I mean, the, at the European level, there are pretty good numbers came through in our poll for the, for the main Fine Gael candidates in all three constituencies. Yeah, there was this interesting uh, contradiction uh, between the European uh, Parliament numbers for Fine Gael last week and then the numbers for the government, the numbers for Fine Gael, the numbers for Leo Varadkar, particularly in the uh, uh, in, in the second part of the poll. Though uh, and they don't necessarily stand in contradiction to one another, I suppose is what I'm trying to say, because... You know, the European Parliament is driven by personality. It's no, also no, driven no, by no recognition. out that there are strong candidates topping the polls. Recognition. At, in, that's right. In and that's taken an early stage in the, uh, in, in, in the campaign. So while Fine Gael did very well in that, I suppose it's, uh, it, it, it's not perhaps surprising that their candidates would have such recognition uh, at, at, at that stage. Interested to hear Fiek make that comparison between now and 2004 and uh, because if you if you look back at, at at that election which again there wasn't a great deal of interest uh, in it just as there isn't in this one there was no real big issue dominating uh, 
uh, dominating. People were a bit grumpy about the government uh, at the time. They weren't massively un, uh, unpopular. But actually that 2004 election was one of the most important elections in the recent history of the country because it completely changed the direction of that Fianna Fáil government. In the immediate aftermath, Fianna Fáil did uh, worse in that election than they had done in an, any election for decades, whereas habitually Fianna Fáil would always get 40% or a little bit above or a little bit below in elections before them. Before that, they got, I think, 31% in the locals and, uh, and Europeans. And that gave an awful fright to that administration and to Bertie Hearn. He dispatched Charlie McCreevy to Brussels. He brought in Brian Cowan as finance minister, but an awful lot of the influence over budgets was spread across the government and, uh, and, and, and influenced by the Taoiseach himself. And you had this loosening of fiscal policy afterwards over that period, over the three budgets before the next election, which set up Fianna Fáil to win the next election, but also made the, uh, the consequences or made the impact of the financial crash much worse on the public finances uh, than it would otherwise have been. It didn't cause the crash. It just made the impact of the financial crisis much worse. So in a way, that 2004 election kind of changed the course of Irish politics So what you're saying time. is that local elections, even though they're very often viewed as second order and even though there's a low turnout and people don't seem to be taking them that seriously, they can have really profound effects they on the They can be very, very important. Out. Not in and of themselves <clears throat> because it really matters whether there's five Fine Gael TDs or four Fine Gael TDs or uh, MEPs going to Brussels or because Fianna Fáil loses control of Carlow County Council or whatever it is. Not because that matters an awful lot in its impact on people's lives itself, but because of its impact on the broader political currents. And quite often we see that the midterm elections, the, 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 second, uh, the second order elections in the European and local elections change things that are to come. And that's why I think, you know, that these elections, albeit that we say, oh, people aren't interested, they're not that important, they may turn out to be very important. The other thing they can do, they offer a redemption narrative to parties who have been getting a kicking in previous, you know, the previous one or, one or two elections. In 2004, we saw that with that, we saw that predictions of Fine Gael's demise after mm. the 2002 general election had been overstated and in fact Fine Gael bounced back quite, you know, quite And you know, the same thing well. for Fianna Fáil in 2014. Mm. Four years ago, yeah. uh, or, fi- or five that years ago, they gave it was the door to the future yeah. for Fianna Fáil, thus re-establishing mm. Fianna Fáil as one of the big two. Remember before 2014, they were in the late teens in mm. the polls. People were still predicting that the party would eventually wither and die. They came first in the local elections, albeit the bad European elections, mm. but they came first in the local elections, become the largest party of local government and re-establishing themselves at the centre of politics. And in a way, mm. that changed everything everything that was to come afterwards as yeah. well. Starting from, from the ground up, really, if you look at, you know, Fianna Fáil and the last locals, it's almost a grassroots thing where they start, they rebuild from the bottom, and then they hope that it filters all the way to the top. And that is, well, I mean, the figures are still in and around the so same. So it seems to me that this time around, the parties that are looking for that kind of redemption narrative, albeit there were small, smaller parties originally, but they're looking to come back. Mm. This is supposed to be their comeback election, are Labour and the Greens. Labour and the Greens, especially Labour. I mean, they had a really bad local election the last time. I think they lost around 81 seats uh, in the locals. And obviously they went from 37 TDs to 7 TDs in the in the generals, which is, by anybody's measure, an, a decimation of, of the numbers. So... 
I mean, obviously, I only went out on one one canvas with Labour. If I'm going to talk about anecdotal evidence, like I said, that area in Rings End, Kevin Humphreys was telling me that it used to be the case that he'd be standing outside one of the shops, maybe getting into his car. People would come out, look at him, shake their head and walk off. And either they'd shake their head and walk off or they'd say something to him or some comment and then leave and he said the air like it was very very hostile and not a great time to be a politician in the Labour Party now and I saw it in action people coming out of shops waving at him coming over with their kids stopping saying oh you know you're around a lot and definite increase in friendliness so they're saying it's there I've seen it's there now one canvas one area one set of anecdotes the one thing that'll be really interesting on count day as well or the days after is everybody is saying oh it's not as bad as it was and Mm. it's good you know getting a good reception like not everybody can be getting a good reception and I just wonder are people over um estimating like they're encountering a lot of apathy are they then like you know mistakenly translating that into support for me or friendliness towards my cause and I just wonder who will get the kind of reality check when the boxes are open that what they were hearing was just apathy it wasn't support or it wasn't yeah we're coming back to you or we want to listen to you that's what I think is going to be interesting about this couple in terms of that but in terms of the um the labor project it's obviously people like Kevin Humphreys in Dublin Bay South Aon O'Reardon Jed Nash these are the people on whom labor is pinning its hopes to be back as a yeah, as I, a political force of some consequence after the I next think election. our poll had them on 14% in, in, in Dublin which is a not insignificant figure like if they poll that in the local elections in Dublin next week they would be pretty happy with themselves they would gain gain seats in the four local authorities it would put them in a position to win those seats in uh in Dublin Bay North, we spoke with Aon O'Reardon and like, you know, maybe hold what they have in West and North. So I think particularly if they do well in Dublin, they will be quite enthused about that. And it will be a kind of springboard back for them. Like, can you think about like 10, 15 years ago, Labour, I think at one stage, were nearly the, the largest group in Dublin City Council at, at a time they were so big. And like, if they are to do that, it will do a number of things, I think, for them. One, convince themselves. Two things happen. One, if they do well in Dublin, convince them that they are back. But secondly, if Sinn Féin do particularly badly, there was this kind of fear in Labour that they would be gobbled up and the Sinn Féin machine would take them out and like you know, chuck them to the curb like they do with the SDLP. If Sinn Féin have a poor election, if Labour have a marginally good election, then the Labour movement, I think, will be re-energised for a general election. They see a road back for themselves. They see that they're not gone. They can see they can be players. They have the parties now in Leinster House fighting over themselves to kind of woo Labour at the moment. So they will see that the road is there for them. And that's an example of how it changes the future. You know, the election results alter uh, or make it more likely that a particular course of events will come to pass in the future. Because if... Labour are back in the game so to speak then suddenly they're relevant for consideration of future government and uh, and, and if uh, Alex White report. gets elected in the European elections that would be a, a huge day for them like it's a big if but like it doesn't, doesn't look very likely doesn't look, doesn't, have, look, doesn't, it? doesn't look yeah, impossible either not unlikely but not, not impossible not likely but not impossible not impossible yeah, yeah. like if a situation arose where they added council seats in the four Dublin local authorities and they had an MEP elected then you know they would never have envisaged that I think like even a year ago it, it strikes me that somebody who uh, would be very enthusiastic about all this, uh, Jennifer, is uh, Michal Martin, because that's exactly what he'd like to see, is a resurgent Labour Party uh, decline or a flat line in the Sinn Féin vote. Uh, there's the shape of his his future government led by him, isn't it? Absolutely, and Fiat had a really interesting story a couple of weeks ago about how there was concern in, amongst Fine Gael ministers about the closeness of the relationship perhaps between Michal Martin and Brendan Howland, 
I've got that right, don't I? Yes. Um, and that that kind of led to the start of the so-called love bombing of the Labour Party, um, which privately they laugh about and very much enjoy and that used is, to that their hilarious. Used to their they absolute like, there's like tweeting maximum. about like Charlie Flanning and tweeting that we wouldn't be able to pass this legislation if in the Dáil were it not for Labour. And I'm reliably told that yeah. the week after that cabinet meeting, that Brendan Howland got a personal phone call from Lunar and the Taoiseach to discuss policy and see how he was getting on. Finn Gael are really not very good at this fluttering, <laughs> fluttering eyelashes uh, end of politics, are they? <laughs> This is like the the flirting of a man with six beers on board, you know. <laughs> Always impressive. But, you know, there was the other thing where they had um, the laws about upskirting um, um, and harassment and online harassment. And they dropped their own and they took on the Labour Party one. And, you know, I asked around and I asked Charlie Flanagan, are you, are you love bombing? And he said, absolutely not. No, it's just a great bill. So, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. And Michal Martin would be happy. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens next week. A lot can, che- a lot can change in a the week. The Greens will be interesting because everybody's predicting this green wave in local authorities. Like people say, it's even coming in rural Ireland. It's come out the canvas I've been out on, canvases I've been out on, it's coming up like green issues. And you just wonder, you know, if they don't get an MEP, if they don't do as well as people are anticipating, will they take a bit of a knock? Like they're probably thinking to themselves, if it doesn't happen for us now, when is it ever going to happen? So I just wonder, can both of those groups have a good day? Can both I mean, the Labour Party and of the groups? A, it's on a plate for them. It should be because, you know, you only have to open a newspaper or look at a news programme and you'll see stories which they play no part in them, yeah. but the stories are making their Pat case. I wrote about this a few know? weeks ago saying like, you know, that it's never been a better time for them, but the polls aren't particularly sowing a green surge in any manner, like uh, in line with what you're seeing with European trends, where you're seeing green movements rising all over Europe, not necessarily seeing that here. And is that because the main parties are moving to, 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 to rob the Greens' clothes? I don't know. I think Eamon Ryan is very aware of it. I asked him about it at the end of the canvas um, out in Clondalkin. And he said that he feels and really, really believes that they're going to do well in places that nobody will have expected. And that he kind of made this throwaway comment about how, well, we did it in the north and elsewhere. It'd be kind of embarrassing if we didn't do it here. Ha ha ha. So there's obviously a bit of pressure there to emulate the success that has been in other regions. I think um, if the Greens are as, have ambitions to be a serious political force again, and if they don't do well in these elections, then they're going to have to have a pretty brutal post-mortem. Mm. And perhaps, look, you know, maybe they need to kind of move on a generation, you know, those kind of questions, because some of these faces are pretty familiar from the previous iteration of Greens, aren't they? Yeah, well, like, the, like you would think that you would think that the, 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 the moment would never be more opportune for them to get an MEP elected in Dublin. Kieran Cuff has been around for quite a while. Uh, Eamon Ryan nearly did it five years ago. You just wonder, it, with better candidate strategy, would we be seeing... Alex White and Kieran Cuff almost uh, even in the polls, or would the Green be further ahead? You just wonder. Like it, you're probably right. A couple of those things. There have to be a, a kind of strong reassessment of their personalities, their structure. If they don't do well, that's their councillors. Though well. a lot of their candidates, obviously in the local elections, they're quite young, and there a lot of them are first time candidates. Uh, Peter Kavanagh out in Clondalk and people who would have joined only a couple of years ago. So maybe it's the same thing as the, the grassroots upwards in 2014. There are also, also fascinating elections, local elections, I think more so than Europeans, because that's when, as Jen said, the, the parties reinvigorate themselves. The intake, mm. so the, 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 the generation that we see in power now where the intake in 2004 
that were 2004 Fine Gael regeneration or 2009 I think Owen Murphy first got re-elected in so that was the intake the generation you're seeing now that are forming the bulk of the Fianna Fáil parliamentary party a lot of them came in the local elections in 2014 so this is the wave this is where the parties re-establish themselves for the next decade or 15 years and you just wonder if the Labour Party and the Greens are to become significant players again are the people we, we're going to see elected next week are they the ones who'll be in less house around the cabinet table in 10-15 years time so it's a real kind of they are really interesting elections about the development of the party as parties as well as the mood of the country they set the course for parties over a set period of time which makes them a big challenge for parties who did well in the last election because they've already got that generation there and they're kind of you know they don't have that sense of being refreshed I mean I wonder like do Sinn Féin have a lot of new candidates for example I don't particularly think so and Fianna Fáil for example know they hit their they probably hit their high watermark in 14 I think mm-hmm. their main target is to probably maintain the level that they have outside of Dublin in terms of local authority seats but to really and to build in seats in Dublin to build in yeah. Dublin they want to win seats in Dublin to kind of if Barry Andrews takes a seat they can like you know, sell a narrative we are back in Dublin we're back in the capital so I think they acknowledge that they probably have maxed out outside of Dublin it's in Dublin they want to do it so yes I think the main regeneration you hope parties would hope to see probably will be the Greens and the Labour Party that the next generation comes up There's also an opportunity though because of previous performance there's an opportunity for Fine Gael which did very badly in 2014 so there is a potential even though notwithstanding that flaky poll for the Taoiseach last week that he could have a very good day by winning an extra by certainly keeping all his European Parliament seats and maybe winning an extra one he could uh, leave Fine Gael to again become the largest party in local government. I think that'll be a toss-up between themselves and Fianna Fáil, but it's certainly conceivable he could win it. And that, in his first national election as leader of Fine Gael, he could claim a great triumph. I sort of have a feeling that everybody could come out of next week's elections with something to uh, to hang on to. They could all be claiming victory, uh, plausibly be claiming victory for uh, for themselves, with the exception, I think, of Sinn Féin, which is set for a difficult day, I think partly because it did so very well the last time, but principally because it is going through, it seems to me, a very difficult and uncertain period uh, at the moment. And I think uh, whatever about seats being lost, you will certainly see the Sinn Féin vote come down in lots of places around the country. And, uh, and It was I think massive the last time, wasn't it? Yes, it was. At the European level, you know, they really got huge votes. For yeah, they got like, like 24% mm. in, uh, in Dublin. So they could afford to shed 20%. a lot of votes and still hold seats. But um, uh, but if you are one of the laws of electoral politics tend to be is that if the if the tide is going out for you, you tend not to get the breaks. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some loss of Sinn Féin seats next week. And I think that could make for a difficult weekend for Mary Lou Macdonald. You've been looking at the sort of the, the big picture in the European elections because we're now in the final stretch here, Fiuk. And so parties sometimes have to recalibrate or re-strategize to figure out how they're going to maximize their, the, their vote. Yeah, this is the, 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 this kind of period, this window of a few days is when parties kind of slightly change things in the week leading up to polling night to see if they can achieve their, their, their goals. As Pat said, our poll in Midlands Northwest, which is a four-seater, showed Fine Gael in with a, a shout of getting two seats, which nobody really expected at the outset of this. And what they have done is they had divided up the constituency between Mairead McInnes, the outgoing MEP, who on our poll is going to be comfortably re-elected, and Maria Walsh, second candidate, who is doing quite well. What they have done 
in the last few days is they have basically taken some of the constituency off Moray McGuinness for the final week and allocated it to Can you explain to me, what does that actually mean? It though? means that the canvassing teams will be saying vote for Maria Walsh first, okay. that people they meet in a doorstep be saying our candidate is Maria Walsh, will you please give her a number one, that the local organisations will be geared towards putting her name first. That's what it means. Letter, you Let, often find a letter, a letter from in the, door, the t-shirt in this, party leader. In this area. I'm asking you in this area to, to vote, vote for, for this person. Because it is not unknown for such letters, especially in local elections. Missings, uh, to be, or to be indeed to be to be uh, wholly falsified, and uh, this is also the the last weekend of the campaign is also dirty tricks weekend. Yeah. You ah. know, so if you have a, a photo of your opponent in a compromising position, it is this weekend is the one to or or evidence that they have supported a, uh, a, a halting site in the middle of the local or football allowed their pitch dog to or, foul a local yeah. football indeed, path, I think. Indeed, this is the weekend yeah. that, uh, such devices will yeah. be employed. But what's ha- what's happened? So I think. The main action on this is happening in Midlands North West because Fianna Fáil are quite happy with Ireland South. There are two candidates, Malcolm Byrne and Billy Kelleher, kind of sparring. I saw it in an Irish Examiner debate last night that I think Malcolm Byrne was calling him one seat Billy and, you know, <laughs> sharing all this type of stuff, you know. Kind of, it's, it's all cartoonish because it's all manufactured by the parties to get this going. There's a row. So Fine Gael are thrilled that people think there's this manufactured row between Mairead McGuinness and Maria Walsh. Probably not really, but that's what they want. So the Fianna Fáil are quite happy with the balance in South as are Fine Gael. They had some minor friction about a few things. They're quite happy. So, they, But there is a row within Fianna Fáil in relation to yes. Anne Rabbit and Michael Yes, Smith. so basically what's happened is Fianna Fáil, the last time in 2014, Fianna Fáil ran two candidates in Midlands North West, Thomas Byrne and the East Coast, uh, Pat the Cope up the North West of the constituency. This time they've ran um, Brendan Smith from the border and Anne Rabbit from the West of Ireland from Galway it's, it, it seems to have maybe back for it again our poll had I think Anne, uh, Brendan Smith on 8 and Anne Rabin on 5 if I'm open to yep. the correction so what, that has scared them and it corresponds to what people in the party were saying that this may not work so what they've done for the last week of the campaign is they themselves had a split uh, they had a certain proportion of the constituency allocated to Anne Rabbit, certain to Brentsbit, and a few open territories. They've now just opened up the whole thing, so it's open season. What that is allowing people they've to do... They've dumped an Anne Rabbit. They, they have actually thrown Anne Rabbit overboard. Yeah, it's throwing Anne Rabbit overboard to get Brentsbit elected because even chatting to a couple of TDs in the last during the week who were in nominally areas that were supposed to put Anne Rabbit's vote first, they were concerned, I kind of want to support Brendan Smith I think we should be doing it so what they've done now is they've given all the local organisations and the TDs carte blanche to say vote for Brendan Smith vote for Brendan Smith barring their home constituencies or home counties of Galway and Brendan Smith's home constituency of Cavan Monaghan so it is a part of a fall effort to really copper fasten that one seat in Midlands North West do we know historically the Europeans, for example, are they very swingy elections? Are they ones where you can have a big alteration between final polls and the final outcome? Do are they like referendums? You know where you know the the, the popular mood can shift quite a lot in the space of a of a relatively short space of time between the final polls mm. and in the last uh, week or two outcome. weeks or uh, yes and mm. no is the answer to that so I went back before we reported on the poll last week I went back and looked at the final Irish Times poll uh, the ballot paper poll um, uh, that was done in 2014 and compared it to the results of uh, the first count and it tended to show a high degree of uh, predictive accuracy with regard to most candidates but in a couple of instances it it was way off that's not to say the poll itself was wrong because it measures say two weeks back and things happen between uh, between the 
taking of the poll and polling day. But certainly the final uh, first preference vote for candidates differed in a couple of instances significantly from uh, from what the poll says. So in the final poll last time, it showed Brian Hayes getting a... was likely to be comfortably elected. I think they had him getting 22% in the event he got, I think, 15. Um, Luke Ming Flanagan in the final poll in 2014, I think, was showing on 12 or 13%, ended up getting 18 or 19% uh, on it. But across most of the candidates, there was a high degree of accuracy, but there are room for swings that take place, uh, I think, in the in the last week or so. I'm much sad that issue about the constituency split that it's kind of hard to predict how that can play out in the European elections because the constituencies are so vast but Fine Gael in the last couple of electoral contests has proven to be hugely successful at this if you think back to the challenging general election they had in 2016 they arguably held on to seats in Dublin um, by really strong vote management uh, particularly on the south side where they got like kind of a couple of TDs elected by kind of strict constituency divisions. 2011, they got a load more TDs elected. 2011, a load more TDs elected than they initially anticipated because of, as Pat says, that letter in the door saying, in this area, vote for this candidate. And you go back to the European elections, I think it's 2004 with Murray McGuinness, 2009 with Murray McGuinness, Avril Doyle. Avril Doyle, yeah. yeah that type of thing. So they have been successful at this in the past. So if they manage to carve out two seats in Midlands Northwest, that would be another big feather in the cap for Fine Gael HQ and how they manage to vote. That's a big if though. Finally, I mean, I should say our producer Declan is not particularly enthused by this election at all. I think it's probably the least exciting election. I was just actually <laughs> thinking at the start, though, we have sat in here at every election for the last, like, two years, presidential or local, and said they're really boring and nothing's happening. So, like, you know... <laughs> 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 it's our apathy. Skeptics. <laughs> we should point out... It's actually tragic to see it in Declan, uh, someone so young. It is. Otherwise yeah, well, he's getting it's like the ages. He's eye-rolling all the time over there, you know. Uh, but anyway... Um, there is also another vote, of course, taking place. Uh, there's a referendum. And if we thought if those who think the election is boring, uh, God knows what they think of the referendum, which seems to be an entirely done deal. Jennifer, you had, the, you had the task of going out to try and find the no side the other day. Yeah, and it was a task because really there isn't really a no side. Now, the one group that's campaigning will crucify me for that, but there is not. Um, if you go back to the divorce referendum in 1995, uh, that was carried by an ultra thin majority. Uh, just over uh, 50%. And it it was really divisive and very, very bitter. Um, A very bitter campaign. This time, none of of that at all. Um, There's very few. There's one group that I could find that's actively campaigning for a no vote. This is the AdFam group led by Richard Green. Um, And their argument is that divorce is bad for society, it'll be bad for the housing market, and it'll be bad for health because people will have to find more houses when they get separated and they'll need more psychological intervention. Agree or disagree, that's their... Uh, pitch. And then groups like the Iona Institute, they're not campaigning against it. They're saying that they their big fear is that if you take this provision out of the constitution, the number of years that you have to be separated for, for out of the last five, bring it down to two years, that, and give that power to the politicians, eventually they'll reduce it to one year, and then six months, and then we'll have all these quickie divorces, and that's the fear. And then there were pe- people who were very high profile in, in 95, like Katrina Lynch, uh, she would have campaigned heavily and she told me there's just absolutely no point. This is a losing battle. I wouldn't put a penny of my money into it. She'd just be setting it. herself up for a fall. There's yep. no political She's benefit like, to be had from, from that point of view. There's nothing to be gained. So there isn't really a big, there isn't a no campaign. There's no, there is no effective national no campaign. But then again, there's, Barely a, a yes campaign. Yeah.
There is, I mean, a referendum commission statement on Morning Ireland is about every, anything the public has got in terms of information about this, isn't it? Maybe because it's straightforward. Uh, Fine Gael are trying to run few posters. Uh, a campaign on it. There's a bit of postering going on. Then there's the also the plebiscites on directly elected mayors. It's that's all altogether that's, more that's, dodgy that's, territory. That's happening next week as well. Um, I think it would be more interesting to see how, how, how they go. I, I don't enthuse most, much engagement with, with that particular no, issue. When the Cabinet went down to Cork, they held a town hall meeting in the evening, which was especially to talk about directly elected mayors. And, well, firstly, it was interrupted by housing protesters who were very loud and very boisterous and uh, kind of embarrassed Leo Varadkar because he didn't know what to do because he'd just taken to the podium. Anyway, when, when, that, when they um, said their piece and left or being forced out from... Uh, they the, the question and answer session happened about directly elected mayors. So we had Simon Coveney there, the Taoiseach, um, and Deirdre Clune, and then, you know, various different audience members. And these would be people who would probably be Fine Gael voters, or at least, you know, Fine Gael friendly. And they were saying, you've left this very late. Um, you know, I've been, I'm in favour of it, but I don't really know what it's about. And what's all this about cost? So exactly how much is it going to cost? Oh, it's X amount of million. Oh, right. OK, that's very expensive. And what was the response to you've left this very late? What was the, because well, to it be fair, true. To be fair, Simon Coveney had, uh, agreed. He said, yes, it is. You know, we've, we've got a tight deadline and we have to really get this through. Uh, and he, he made a comment about we have we've got this one shot at it, like as if if it doesn't work out in, in the, the three different areas, uh, then maybe we won't see we won't see this again for a very long time. So we'll we'll wait and see. There does seem to have been a real lack of engagement on it. Um, well, that's just from that meeting. And anybody who I've talked to said they don't really know what it's about. All they know is that it's expensive. Meanwhile, our own Lord Mayor in Dublin, who is not directly elected, is acting as if he is directly elected yeah, and us, is entertaining the masses in the Mansion House. Uh, uh, oh, this tell is, tell this us is, about Neil Ring. Uh, this is Neil Ring. Like uh, colleagues in the other Times, Times Ireland have done a good few stories on him. Twice, exceed, uh, I think, exhausting his free allowance of beer from Diageo. I wasn't the aware House. the Lord Mayor of Dublin got yes, a free Yes, indeed. It's quite the Diageo. perk that you get to live in the Mansion House for a year and Diageo also has free Guinness on tap so you can entertain if as you please but uh, Mr. Ring has Is twice, it only Guinness? I think it's a couple I think he's I think it's, it's, beer, it's Guinness and, and wine as well yeah. um, so he then had to after exhausting the free allocation from the Azure the second time had to go back to the city council and ask for more beer but I think what he did the other day was two weeks ago he just he was kind of saying I'm bringing Dubliners in to you know reach out to the office but a couple of weeks ago what he did is he brought four, the patrons of four pubs in his ward <laughs> in North Dublin just in for a night of entertainment and and then song and dance and one was one his dance. Ex- I don't know really? what I'm assuming no. his, ex- his, his explanation for one which was the Bridge Tavern in Summerhill was well that is a pub I have drank in for 40 years there you have it. I, I think we'll all keenly Ring watch democracy. Ne- we'll, 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 we'll all keenly watch Neil Ring's first preference vote next week when yeah. it comes. Something, something tells me <laughs> he'll do quite well. <laughs> we shall leave it there. Only a week to go. Thanks for joining us anyway today. To Jennifer, to Pat, and to Fiek. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our long-suffering producer, Declan Conlon. Thanks to Pat, to Fiek and to Jen, as always, for coming in. We'll be covering the last legs or the last dregs of the election over the next week or so. Uh, remember, you can mail me at hlinehan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter. Until the next time, thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 